welcome to episode number 47 of Off the Shelf. Doctor, my eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of fears without crying. Now I want to understand. I have done all that I could to see the evil and the good without hiding. You must help me if you can. Doctor, my eyes. Hi, my name is Rod Bergen, and I want to welcome you to this week's episode of the Off the Shelf podcast. Off the Shelf is now being heard in over 100 countries, and we are glad you could join us. The aim of Off the Shelf is to help people know what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. The podcast is primarily directed at followers of the message of William Branham and former followers like ourselves. This week, we are continuing our interview with John Collins, the author of the Seek the Truth website. John, let's finally deal with another issue that Pastor Gwena raises, and that's William Branham's after-the-fact prophecies. Pastor Gwena argues that the criticism that we level at William Branham, that his prophecies are all after-the-fact, can also be made of all biblical prophecies. Therefore, followers should ignore our criticism. Now, but what is their basis for even disputing things that you know history proves? What they say is that these prophecies were mentioned by Brother Branham after the event. Now, what, what does that mean? Brother Branham, he mentioned this in the 1950s. Amen? And they say by the 1950s, World War II had already happened. Mussolini had already invaded Ethiopia. Hitler had already caused the world to go to World War. Fascism, Nazism, Communism had already risen. So it's after the fact. But let me say, church, this tactic of disqualifying prophecy as an, as an event, as an after event, is a very well-known tactic of Bible critics. Now, I'm not talking about message critics. I'm talking about Bible critics. Now, I'm actually prepared to give him this one if, and only if, Pastor Gwena can bring us a clear, unambiguous prophecy that was made by William Branham on tape before the fact and that was later clearly fulfilled. I I was actually shocked when I came to this realization that it's really strange that there's not one single prophecy that William Branham made that fulfills this criteria on a tape. In over 1,100 messages, there is not a single one. That, that's just bizarre. And then you have, to, you have to go to this. The problem that is created by all of the issues we raise, it's cumulative and compounding. We have a list on our website, you had you know, dozens and dozens and scores of problems with the prophecies. On your website, 
we have a list of scores of problems that show that William Branham lied was not credible. If there were one or two problems, you know what? I would be the first one to overlook them. You know, Rod, I'm, I'm willing even to go a step further than that. There could be the potential for what Pastor Gwena is alleging to be true in this one specific case. And I will give him this, but he has to demonstrate it. As we explained earlier, the reason for the prophets, as the kings rose and fell, as their kingdoms rose and fell, as they, as they became righteous and fulfilled the law, and then decided to be unrighteous and break the law, these prophets came on the scene all throughout the Old Testament. You know them very well. I know you've studied far more than I have. These people, these human beings called prophets, were coming as voice, as mouthpieces from God, their voices speaking and saying, in the past, you have did this and this and this and this. And because of this, this is the reason why I'm sending in the future this judgment. And the judgment wasn't a simple destruction for the sake of destroying things. That become, makes God a villain, and the God of the Old Testament was not a villain. He was simply doing what he said he would do. The, the Old Covenant was, it was a two-part contract. If you do these things, I will give you these blessings. If you don't do these things, I will give you these curses. Yeah. So he is right in one aspect, and that is that when the prophecies came, not all of it was future-based. But, as you and I have, I think, clearly demonstrated through the course of this podcast, if God is an omniscient God, if God is an all-knowing God, not only does he know what happened in the past, not only does he know what happened in the future, he can't be dishonest about it, and the voices that come through the mouthpiece, the prophet, are going to be accurate, both past, present, and future. There are prophecies that William Branham prophesied after the fact. And in each of those instances, the biggest example of which Pastor Gwynna uses here, William Branham prophesied long after the fact that he alleged Hitler was going to be the one to cause the world war. If God was speaking, and God was speaking accurately, this could be an accurate assessment. However, Hitler is not the one William Branham always said would be the one who started the war. He also said Roosevelt would. Yeah. If you go back and you study any of the after-the-fact prophecies and study their accuracy, you're going to find huge problems with what William Branham is claiming. In the same way, if you study any of them that are pointed into the future, the majority of them have significant issues. I find it really interesting that a man who is clearly speaking presumptuously, didn't even care enough to go the, take the time to get his facts correct. So <clears throat> you take any of these examples, the brown bear vision, he, where he claims, write it on the flyleaf of your Bible. Rod, I, I actually stood in the offices of Billy Paul Branham in Voice of God Recordings with a current message pastor back when I was in the message, and he asked... Billy Paul Branham, about this brown bear prophecy. He said, Brother Billy, did he ever get that brown bear? And Billy Paul said, no, he didn't. 
And this pastor said at this point, at this point in my life, I had no idea this was even an issue. This pastor said, well, praise God, I believe he's coming back to do it. Yeah, yeah. These pastors are aware that these issues exist. Yeah, Rob. absolutely. And it's, it's a huge problem. You take the Africa vision. He claimed that he was going to go and supposedly preach to 300,000 people. The vision failed. And the pastor's argument is, well, he did go. Well, he did preach before a handful of people, or actually it was probably a large number. It wasn't 300,000. But if you take the details of this prophecy, the details did not come true. Yeah, that's right. It was left unfulfilled. You know, Rod, let's go a little bit deeper into these after-the-fact prophecies that Pastor Gwyna is discussing here. William Branham even messed those up severely. In 1960, in his sermon, Condemnation by Representation, William Branham says this. 1932, listen to this. I speak this in the name of the Lord. The president, which now is President Franklin D. Roosevelt, I remember this is 28 years ago, will cause the whole world to go to war. Look what happened now. President Franklin D. Roosevelt took America to England's Tea Party. That's right. Germany never picked on us. We picked on them. Throw the whole world into a war that caused the world war. Now, Rod, I'm a history, a history lover. I love studying history. I love documentaries. I love World War II. I love reading about every aspect of it. I have met other former believers that this one particular failed prophecy is why they chose to leave the message, because they know it very, very well. This is complete nonsense if you know anything about history. Yeah, yeah. The United States did not lead the world into World War II, as William Branham prophesied. In fact, they tried very hard to stay out of it. They stayed out of the conflict until 1941 when J Japan attacked Pearl Harbor. And at that point, there was no other choice, but we had to go to war. Yeah, yeah. Now, we should also take a point to mention that there are some message ministers who recognize the errors and try to correct them, <laughs> which is, there's a phrase for it, I can't remember where I came across it, but they're rewriting message history. <laughs> Lee Vale apparently recognized that this was an error, because when the Church Age book was published in 1965, he actually corrected William Branham's prophecy. And he, he said that an Austrian by the name of Adolf Hitler would rise up as dictator over Germany, and that would draw the whole world into war. Which is not what, what originally William Branham said. <laughs> exactly. Now, Rod, people are unfamiliar with this, but William Branham had a team of people who were trying very hard to make him look good. And they were taking what he was saying, and they were correcting it. You know, this paper of prophecies that he claims to have buried in the cornerstone of the tabernacle, I actually have a video of, of a guy who was there when they dug it up, and it was empty. And he was claiming that the angels stole this piece of paper from the cornerstone. Yeah, and this is just like Joseph Smith, uh, where the angel Moroni... Exactly. Took the golden tablets back so they can't be 
be found. Exactly. But this case that you pointed out, condemnation by representation, in the 1960 November version of this sermon, condemnation by representation, he says 1932. (laughs) He's reading from a piece of paper before his congregation, and he says, 1932, I fell into this vision, and he's reading from this piece of paper of prophecies that he claimed was written in 1932, And listen to the way he introduced this piece of paper, Rod. He says, I'd like to read you a prophecy that was given. I got on, uh, and many, by the way, Mr. Mercer, and many of them are going to take some of these old prophecies and dig them out and revise them a little or bring them up to date. And (laughs) and (laughs) And bring them up to date and put them in papers. Now, he's told the whole congregation that he's buried this thing in the cornerstone. He just said that Mr. Mercer is going to dig him out of the cornerstone, and he's reading from the piece of paper in the pulpit. And he's reading 1932, and he still gets it wrong. (laughs) And this is where he says the president now, which is Franklin D. Roosevelt. Here's where I'm really troubled, Rod. I listened to not just the pastor of the sermon. I listened to his congregation. And I listened to the way that they were getting excited and the emotion in this, in this repetitive screaming that this guy was doing. So they've questioned the prophecies of Brother Branham. Which prophecies preacher man? Like Brother Branham prophesied about Mussolini. Like Brother Branham prophesied about Hitler. Like Brother Branham prophesied about the coming of the three isms. Nazism, Fascism, Communism. Now that sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But the reason why it sounds ridiculous to you is because you are a believer. And not only that, the reason why it also sounds ridiculous to you is because you know history proves the fact. Amen? History proves the fact. And we know it is true. Because it happened according to history. Maybe God just wanted this echoed. So better wake up. Amen. They're they're unaware that any of this problem exists. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they just heard this pastor say that Hitler is the one who started the world war, which they all know. And he phrases it like we're complete imbeciles because we think this is a false prophecy. Because, he, you know, he's making the assumption, he's leading them to their assumption. Well, these guys must be morons if they think Hitler didn't create the World War. They're unaware that William Branham did not make this claim. Yeah, that's exactly right. We, and we made the point here in a previous podcast. You, you want to go and listen to our interview with Sylvia Perkins. She tells a story about when the cornerstone was opened with the entire congregation of Bradham Tabernacle looking on. William Bradham said repeatedly, the prophecies have been put into the cornerstone. I wrote them in there, this vision that I got, they're in there. And when they opened, not, when they opened the cornerstone because somebody had driven into it and it, it cracked and it had to be replaced, when they, actually took and opened the cornerstone, everybody looking on, it was completely empty. My grandfather was there. (laughs) 
I've, I've got the newspaper clippings because I was shocked that this was history tied to my grandfather. But the people in Jeffersonville are well aware that every Easter Sunday, we have people from all over the nation come who stand out at 4.30 a.m. in the graveside looking for William Branham to rise up and fulfill these failed prophecies. And the people of Jeffersonville, if you if you mention the word Branham Tabernacle or the name William Branham, they say, oh, it's those people that stand by this pyramid tomb at Easter looking for some dead guy to rise up out of the grave. And you have to say yes, which is unfortunate. But my grandfather was there, and when I approached him for these issues in 2012, immediately prior to any of this website or anything that you see here, his words to me were this, Rod. He said, John, people have known these things for years. What does it hurt you to believe them anyway? <laughs> Unbelievable. That's bizarre. You know, John, at least the return ministry people are more honest than Pastor Gwena. They admit that the brown bear vision and other visions failed. They admit that the African meeting vision failed. But then they go really cultish and claim that William Branham's going to return from the dead to fulfill all these visions. It's completely unbiblical. Let's um, maybe bring this to a close, John. And um, maybe I, I just invite you to say, look, from all of the stuff we just discussed, what can we conclude? I think personally, after hearing the sermon, I can see that the pastors of today are in a bad position. And they're setting in a spot where they can't fail and keep their congregations together. The, the issues are becoming too widely known. We have sermons now preached where they're calling Abraham a liar, where they're throwing the Bible under the bus yeah. to try to uplift William Branham. The red herrings that they are th using, voice of God, these pastors, this pastor Gwena, and so, so many pastors today in this cult, they're nothing more than just that. They're red herrings. There are simple distractions to take people away from the real issue, and they purposefully choose trivial issues that you and I both admit could be taken either way, and they avoid the issues that they are aware are serious, fundamental flaws with the message. There, there are no biblical precedents for what they're doing here, and they're completely ignoring Deuteronomy 18, verses 20 through 22. Yep. The second thing is that there are no prophecies, not a single one, given by William Branham or claimed by William Branham that are bef given before the fact actually happened. We don't have a single record of any prophecy where William Branham said it before the event. All we have are him claiming that he actually had them. We have a large number of documentation by William Branham himself in early ministries before the one that we know where there is no such claim. As a result, it's reasonable to conclude that he never actually even made any of these prophecies. Yeah. And even in the one that he's made after the fact... There are huge problems with it. Yeah. This book of prophecies or this paper that he claimed to have, it allegedly disappeared. But in fact, it never existed. Yeah. He's telling people that it's in the cornerstone, yet he's 
holding a piece of paper and reading it before his congregation, <laughs> why would you tell them that you hid it in the cornerstone and then hold it before your congregation? It never existed. Finally, cognitive dissonance is clearly alive and well in Pastor Gwynn's arguments. Yeah, yeah. If you take a step back and you just simply write down the points that he makes, try to get out of the emotional hype, just take the points and line them up. They make little or no sense, but the rules of cognitive dissonance conclude that when he is presented with clear evidence of prophecies of William Branham that failed, his belief in them will be stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. He holds to these arguments that are clearly inconsistent. He is clinging to arguments that are inconsistent, that are not based on biblical precedents, and they're completely based on reading his meaning into these passages. His arguments in defense of William Branham fail on all accounts. He also hides his sermons. He delivers them to his church members, and then he prohibits access to them. So what is he afraid of? People like us who are exposing bad reasoning and now currently exposing his bad reasoning, poor logic and fear tactics, is he afraid of us? (laughs) Definitely. Obviously. I, I, I think this is a really good point. It's fear tactics. What he's trying to instill in people is fear. He says that if they listen to us, they may get possessed by an evil spirit without even knowing it. Now, this is a warning to the true believer that if you're not careful, you can actually end up picking an evil spirit and not even know it. If it's contrary to this word, don't believe it. Stay with that word. What is stand warning? What he is calling an evil spirit may in fact be the Holy Spirit. We want people to follow Christ. We don't want them to follow Branham. There are hundreds and hundreds of people who are leaving the message. They leave when they understand that William Branham was not credible, that he did not have any valid prophecies, and that he preached many things that are contrary to the Bible. Now, if these people have not had a real experience with God, they simply become atheists or agnostics. But we want people to become true followers of Jesus. The true gospel of Jesus Christ is based on love and not on fear. The Apostle John tells us in 1 John 4, 16-18, he says this, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. I've come to understand that the opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Love is all about the other person. But fear is all about focusing on me. I am afraid of God's punishment, so I fear for myself. But when we love God, we live for others. We know that our Father loves us, so we are not in fear of his punishment or wrath. Now, to our listeners, 
I want to say this. Please follow after Jesus Christ. Live for him in the spirit of love. And in, in fact, my prayer for you is the prayer that Paul prayed in Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. John, thanks for being with us. Thanks for having me again, Rod. God bless. If you have a question or comment, please feel free to go to our website at offtheshelf.life. There is a comment section at the bottom of every episode's webpage. Or you are welcome to send an email to rod at offtheshelf.life. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. As I have wandered through this world And as each moment has unfurled I've been waiting to awaken from these dreams People go just where they will I never noticed them until I got this feeling That it's later than it seems Doctor Say if it's too late for